بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم اعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله رب العالمین وصل الله على سيدنا مولانا حبيب الله العالمین ابو القاسم المصطفى محمد السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ السلام علیکم تو دوز فار جوائننگ تو دوز فار لسننگ آفٹر السلام علیکم تو دوز آن یوٹیوب اور دوز آر آن نو آن انسٹاگرام اور آن اسپوٹیفائی اور ایپل وائی ایور یور چوائس آف لسننگ السلام علیکم تو آل آف یو ان شاء اللہ یو آر ویل برادر اینڈ سسٹرس ہو جوائنڈ آغا جواد السلام علیکم سن بیہائنڈ کلاؤڈ یو نو سن بیہائنڈ کلاؤڈ آئی ایم نوٹ یو شو آف یور you know gender but i'm so happy to always see you you're literally are the sun behind the cloud you have masked every detail other than your noor alhamdulillah um alaikum salam habi said razi abbas rizbi thank you so much uh, sayedna for joining um thank you to all of you for your continued support for this uh, for this podcast series it's been interesting hasn't it it's been it's been quite the journey <laughs> and so many of you have been so kind in your um support as we go inshallah Um, I got a message from Sayyid Zafar saying that he's going to be joining but he's a little bit late so he'll be a few minutes after um, which gives a good time for me to just check in with everyone here and see how you're doing um, and see how you're keeping so so how are you guys how is how is Shah Ramadan going how is your fasting going um, we're about a third in as Sayyid Saleh Ghazwini mentioned yesterday so you know how how has it been uh, a third into the holy month please feel free to write in the comments or share Um, alaykum salam that we met when you came to Birmingham to give a talk to you I'm sure ah okay alaykum salam sister <laughs> uh, thank you for introducing yourself now I understand who you are mashallah you know it's interesting Sheikh Zuhair messaged me because um, uh, I really wanted to get him on the podcast but we couldn't find a way and then when we started he was like what happened you know let's do it so I said inshallah um, in the future so a little shout out to you and to everyone that maybe Sheikh Zuhair will be joining us maybe for a surprise episode in the future I uh, I can't I'm not going to confirm or deny when that's going to be. Sun Behind the Cloud Publication is the publishing company I look after alhamdulillah. That's great. That's great. May Allah bless you for the project. I think I know the, I think I know the project. You you produce books. I think I might have one or two of your productions, I believe. Um I think did you do one for Sheikh Salim Bimji, I think? One of Sheikh Salim's books that might have been you guys. So that's amazing. Um alhamdulillah I'm good. Said Said Ali Abbas alhamdulillah I'm keeping well. Thank you so much. May Allah bless you and thank you so much for listening. Um, and to those who've just joined as well, thank you. As-salamu alaykum, welcome, um, good evening. I don't know what time zone everyone is in, so that's great. Alhamdulillah, we really enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for enjoying the podcast, sister. I appreciate it. And send my salams to the community in Birmingham. You guys are amazing. You know, I'm actually coming soon. I'm reciting a majalis uh, for the Shahadat of Imam Ali salam in rugby on the 23rd. of April was it 21st Shahadat night it's in Birmingham so if there's a program in Al-Abbas after I'll just come by do you know if there's a majlis after who's who I think it's uh, said Muhammad Rizvi who's a very good friend of mine but I don't know if it's after or before I don't know so um I might come by to the center definitely definitely um yeah that'd be great that'd be great how's everyone else doing inshallah you guys are keeping well Uh, we're just waiting for our guest to join so we'll get going Ed Saz Pai Assalamu Alaikum thank you so much for joining I hope you heard when I gave you a shout out when I was with Sheikh Roshundale not too long ago Ed Saz Pai um, that was because we were we were missing you definitely Ed Saz you know I was thinking about your perfume today that I need to get some so a little shout out to your business and I hope we can all go and um, go out and purchase some Um, Alhamdulillah Thank you sister I really appreciate those details Thank you 
um, it's as you did. <laughs> Allah bless you too, dear bro. Allah bless you too. Inshallah, what a legend. Alhamdulillah. Much love to you too, my dear brother. Inshallah, you're well and your family's good, bro. Um, says I'll be joining soon. I know you're waiting, say, uh, it's us, but inshallah, soon. <laughs> inshallah. Yeah, it's, it says, you know where I live. Your car broke down last time you came, remember? <laughs> yeah. So, inshallah, I'll send you my address. Uh, sister, um, sister, she, her, sister, my apologies, sister. You know, Sayyid Muhammad, this is, we, we grew up together. Um, he's from South London. He's from, he's a local boy. So, we grew up. Uh, and he used to, he lives to live on not far from me actually, so we used to um we used to chill together and we went to the house together as well. We studied the house together. Um, it says, do you know Muhammad Rizvi? I don't know if you know him. And then we went to the house together here in London. And then I think he went to Qum for a little bit, maybe uh, some period of time. And then he came back and um now he's serving in the Watford community. So yeah, who's that? Askari, salamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, bro. Inshallah you're keeping well. Good to see you. Habibi Askari. Askari is my childhood friend. One of my earliest friends in Dubai that I used to uh, live is Askari. So, um, before I, you know, I was born in South London and I moved to Dubai. While I was in Dubai, Askari was my closest friend. And then, unbeknownst to me, he moves to the UK. He's in Leicester. <laughs> so, Askari, it's very good to see you. Um, Alaikum Salam, Sister Zainab, inshallah, you're keeping well and your family is keeping well, inshallah. Um, thank you so much for joining, inshallah. That's so kind of all of you. If we can see to these podcasts and may you have the on to Noor continuously. Thank you so much, Askari. May Allah bless you for your kind words, inshallah. Askari is going to try and become a doctor, so we're all praying for you, bro. So keep going, inshallah. Keep it, um, keep it going. Keep it going, inshallah. Sheikh Hassan, Asalaamu Alaikum. Nice to see you joining, inshallah. We are waiting for a few minutes for Sayyid Zafar. So I'm doing a bit of crowd work. You know, in the lecture when you're kind of checking in with the people around you and you're doing eye contact and all those things, I'm trying to do it now as well. So shout out to Sheikh Hassan Roshendale. Um, actually, uh, I want to mention about Sheikh Hassan uh, Roshendale, who's here and who is in episode two of the uh, podcast. This is, I really want to shout out how much you have helped me in these podcasts to Sheikh Hassan Roshendel. I was thinking, reflecting, when I was rushing to do Sheikh Nabil Awan's episode and, you know, there were some of you watched that when I was doing it from the Hausa, you guys don't know how much Sheikh Hassan was helpful for that. He, and I'm not just saying because you're here, I was, I was thinking about this earlier when I was reflecting. Man, he, we were eating food and he was reminding me, don't we got to a podcast, he helped me get past a queue quickly, he drove me there, he sat me down in his office and he gave me Wi-Fi and all of these things. And really, of of so, of so all the people in my life, this is one of the most empathetic and kind people that I have in, in my life. Someone who genuinely cares about your what you're going through and makes you known that if you're going through a difficulty, it's not because it's you, it's because it's a process of growth and you're going through that process. And the person who's made me feel that more than anyone, especially in my most recent difficulties and, and things I'm going through, is definitely Sheikh Hassan Roshendel. So, so thank you, Agha, for, for, being, um, for being that presence in my life. Alhamdulillah. And, and may Allah bless you for everything that you're doing. Um, yeah, and, and for being so kind and generous. May Allah bless you. And I hope everyone, inshallah, watches his podcast episode because it was one of the best ones that we've ever done. <laughs> inshallah. Okay, Sheikh Zafar Abbas is about to join soon, so inshallah that's good. Um, Yes, sister, um, sister, inshallah, of course, we'll pray for you and do dua for you. I think it was Sheikh Ali Safdari who did dua in Qum for, for your sister, if I'm not wrong. So I hope, inshallah, that, um, uh, inshallah, that was good. And next time I go to the mosque, I still have to do that two raka salat, I think, for your sister. And of course, for you, inshallah. So, so definitely. 
uh, inshallah we'll do dua for you Assalamu Habibi Abdullah Assalamu Alaikum thank you so much for joining um, you guys have all got in early before our guest comes so it's nice to see you uh, brother Akbar Sajjad which house are you in brother currently I'm in the house El Mayor well I was in the house El Mayor of England um, Alaikum brother, which is in, in London, Agha uh, Shamali's the house which he set up. I finished then now and now I'm doing private classes here and there. And inshallah, I'm hoping to study further uh, in Iraq later on this year to continue my studies. So do dua for me that it works out, inshallah. Um, but I was in that house. I signed, I joined when I was 18. Um, and I was there for, I think, six years doing a part time alongside my university work, you know, side by side. And now I'm doing online classes. You know, I invite, I encourage everyone to get some level of structured classes. Do they offering online classes for those who live in the in America? Yeah, yeah, they do. I think you can do online, and inshallah, you can you can join online too, um, to the Hausa. And there are many online programs. To my Hausa, my Hausa. Um, but yeah, they have a good online program. Salamun alaikum, Sayyidna. Why are you sideways, Aga? Hang on a second. <laughs> Salam Agha. We we the we, the best part of you is is this part. So <laughs> <laughs> let us see it. <laughs> no problem. No problem. No problem. We're just doing general welfare checks, so don't worry. Don't oh. worry. Alhamdulillah. While Sayyidna is organizing his screen, it's a good opportunity for everyone who's not following to follow the podcast, inshallah. Sayyid, are you stationary? Are you audible? Are you there? I'm stationary. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, alhamdulillah. How are you doing, Sayyidna? Alhamdulillah. I'm well. I'm very well. I've just been uh, busy with moving house and... Uh, uh, Doing, uh, preparing to go Canada, so just had the internet installed the other day, so that's why I to delay your podcast a bit. No but problem, I'm... no problem. Um, and rather, you have internet later than have no internet earlier, you know. So, <laughs> so Alhamdulillah. How how are you? I'm good, thank you. We are we are always missing you in South London, of course. Um, I'm keeping well, inshallah. I want to let everyone know how it happened that I got you on the podcast. Guys, I messaged Sayyid Zafar. He's, always, he's actually been a very positive support for me in this whole tabligh that I've been doing for the last few years. I said, listen, I want to do a podcast. He goes, I can only do it between like, like the 8th and 11th or some, something like some really fine margin. Like <laughs> only in these three days I can do it. So I had to really, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, put it you. in here. Because you're in between moving house and going to Canada, right? So it's like a literally right now. That's right. That's right. So I'm literally gonna. Um, from uh, I got internet installed on Monday, and I'm going inshallah. Well, tomorrow I'm going to London, and then Friday early morning inshallah is my flight to Canada inshallah. Inshallah. Where Where have you moved? Where do you live? It's the same Birmingham, right? Yeah, I'm in Birmingham. I just I just moved to my own place. So before, before obviously I was living in the in the mosque, and I moved to moved to my mm. own. Midnight knocks on the doors for istikharas and all those things. <laughs> I'm far, I'm far, off, far enough away from the mosque for that to, to avoid all that. So, Alhamdulillah. You know, the resident alim job, which is probably one of the hardest jobs a person can do. I always ask ulama, like, do you live there or do you live? And always like, you have to live out because to do the job properly, you burn out otherwise. They always say that. It's, 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 it's very tough. It's very tough. So, but uh, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I'm grateful 
for the Berlin community that they have you. So alhamdulillah for, for them that, that you are there. I'm a little bit jealous of them as well because you're a bit further away. But, um, <laughs> alhamdulillah. <laughs> I know where your dad lives, so I guess it's, that's fine. I get a bit of a... <laughs> yes. I get my own, you know. <laughs> and what's the, what's the plan in Canada? Where will you be going? Where will you be lecturing? So I'm going to a small town called Regina, which is on the west coast of Canada. Um, inshallah, I'm going to be there for 15 days from the 15th to Eid, inshallah. Inshallah, that's beautiful. May Allah accept all of the efforts and give you a safe journey as well. Um, I heard you say you're going to London first. Are you staying in London? Are we going to see you around anywhere? or are you just... No, no, I'm just literally going to, um, I'll probably arrive late tomorrow well i'll have it down with our parents inshallah and then i'll um friday early morning i'm actually i'm actually flying from gatwick airport so if you want okay. if, I, if you fancy you can you can come and see me in the see me in the airport but i don't know if that's gonna affect your part it's, it's early in the morning so i don't know, I don't know if you want to go. Mm, see you off or receive you one of the two inshallah <laughs> is uh, yeah. there's a few things i wanted to ask you so maybe in the future we can do that inshallah <laughs> Um alaikum to everyone who's just joined. Uh, may Allah, you know, welcome you <laughs> to our humble space that we have made to in the Monthly Reflections podcast, inshallah. Hopefully everyone's keeping well. Um, we are so lucky to have Sayyid Zafar with us today. He's super busy. He's just been explaining for the last five minutes exactly how busy he is. So we're really grateful that he made time for us. Sayyidna, first of all, I would ask you, in addition to what you said before, how is Shah Ramadan going for you? How are your fasts? How is the month so far? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamualaikum to to all our viewers. Um, Shah Ramadan, Alhamdulillah, is going it's going well. It has been it's been super busy, but Alhamdulillah, it's, it's going well. And um, I think after uh, many years of long days and hot days, uh, I think I think all of us have been relieved that you know it's been it's been quite cool and not not so not such a long day. You know, it's, I think we're down to down to fifteen sixteen hours now, so. We, Sort of, sort of average, uh, average fasting length. Uh, I wasn't even counting. Uh. <laughs> compared, compared to nineteen twenty, which we have been used to for yeah the past few years. So Alhamdulillah, it's, uh, it's been quite nice. I think, I think more than more than the length. I think I don't know what you guys think, but more than the length, I think I always find that the uh, it's the weather which has a big impact. So if it's if it's cold and it's not too warm, then you. It flies past, you don't even you don't realize. Mm. Though yes, uh, I have been. Usually, I like to like to lie, have a line in Sharmalan, but because obviously I'm moving house, it's been it's been quite uh, manic, you know, uh, being up early, sleeping late, you know. So, but Alhamdulillah, no complaints. We're getting there. Alhamdulillah, it's the sleep that usually does. It. I mean, the food and drinking we're used to. The sleep is what does it. The sleep is actually what exactly you're right. Absolutely right. Yeah, I've not settled into a routine annoyingly because these podcasts give different times and then like after you're awake and meetings yes. and, you know. True. True. Trying to sleep and then getting up and then, you know, having that unbroken sleep is always a big luxury. Yeah. If anyone listening has any advice, by the way, for me personally on <laughs> on regulating or, or on regularizing on a Shah Ramadan sleep schedule, please let me know. <laughs> What is, inshallah. Sayyidna, I wanted to ask you another thing as well. Um, you know, this month of Ramadan, obviously you're lecturing. I've been seeing your tafsir sessions and, and obviously they are amazing. Um, what topics have you chosen for, for the for Kanda when you're going? What areas are you focusing on for the community? And what areas do you think are important that we are thinking about in, in this year or this Ramadan? 
I think I think the whole month of Ramadan, every Ramadan, is really important for us to try and build our relationship with the Holy Quran. You know, the the, uh, the Holy Prophet sallallahu says, "Likulli shayin bahar." Um, for everything, there is a spring. And the spring of Quran is the whole month of Ramadan. I think I think it's very important that we have um, that relationship with the Holy Quran, especially in this holy month. You know, we try and make that additional effort, uh, reading the Quran, reflecting on the Quran, trying to understand the Holy Quran. So that's why I, every every year I try to, especially in Ramadan topics, try to link it with the Holy Quran. So as you saw this year. I, this year, actually, uh, this idea came to me literally like one day before Shana Malan. So, <laughs> I, okay, what, sh- what shall we do this year? So, I was like, let's do the 30th Juz in Thaydin. I think the 30th Juz has like 33 surahs or something like that. I thought, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do like, we'll start off with one surah a day and then we'll, some days we'll try and do two or three and then, you know, if they're, sh- they're short and so on and so forth. But feedback, obviously, from everyone was that, you know, we really like this. It's really short, 10, 15, 20 yeah. minutes. It's, it, it's something that we we like to, you know, you can listen to in one sitting. So um, try to keep it to, to that length. I try not to go over 20 minutes. And um, and I, th- I thought it's a nice way for me to reflect over those sort of the Holy Quran and share that reflection and hopefully encourage other people to reflect. May, even if it's like a verse, two verses, three verses, a short surah, it doesn't have to be like long. But, um, you know, we try to build that relationship with the Holy Quran and this Holy Mother. I think that's really important. And then from obviously 15th onwards, I'm going to Canada. So I'm going to, inshallah, um, we'll, we'll have different topics each day. But the theme will be about Islam uh, and the Holy Quran. So, like I said, I think it's really important in the Holy Mother Ramadan that we try to uh, build that relationship with the, with the, with the Quran um, as much as we can. Uh, because, um, you know, Unfortunately, we, have, we find that, you know, when it comes to recitation, tafsir, understanding, using the whole Holy Quran, um, our community generally tends to be lacking, unfortunately. So we, um, this, is a, this is an opportunity to, to, to work on that. I'm going, uh, I'm going to Regina, uh, which is on the west coast of Canada, which I mentioned earlier. Inshallah, Ta'ala. Thank you. Oh, there's a question there, yeah, yeah, Regina. Very good. Another person made a recommendation for when I should be sleeping, and uh, they said, and this is between 11 and 4.30. Bro, if, it's, if I sleep at 11, that's in 10 minutes because Zafra is alone in the podcast. Wake up at, <laughs> wake up at 4.30, I'll miss Suhoor because that's around time for, for eating. So that's that, a, <laughs> this a, one, will, in my time zone, it won't work, bro. Uh, um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I like what you said about Quran. I've just today started a four-day um, series on uh, Surah Al-Duha. And I chose a small one because I was asked by the organizers, you know, just do stuff. And I thought, well, the smaller the thing, the more I can pause on one or two ayat and just, just reflect on them alone. And this is actually a good, a good story for I can read widely and, and uncover. Let me ask you, you know, what do you prefer? Do you prefer doing this where you are covering a theme for an audience and you're using different verses of Quran? Or do you prefer to pause on surahs themselves and understand the character of them? What approach do you think it's more effective for tafsir i think i think it depends on the it depends on the community it depends on what people are used to you know whether they have a relationship existing with the quran or you're trying to build a relationship with the quran they depend i think you have to you have to gorge based on what the community is like so i personally like to do themes and 
bring in verses from those themes into the um, in, in, into the lectures. Um, even when I'm doing, for example, a tafsir of surah. So, for example, last year I did tafsir of surah and um in Shah Ramadan, and even in those, you know, so I did. I think I think I think it was divided into maybe 16, 17 sessions. And what I did was I picked the themes that were mentioned in the surah, and discussed those themes. Um, so though we went obviously chronologically, but we we focused on the themes that were mentioned in the surah and. I, constantly go back to the themes and cross-reference other verses um, regarding those themes. So I think, yeah. I think theme is very important because it allows people to focus on the um, that, the topic that's been mentioned. And obviously, you know, the style of the Quran is that uh, one theme is not mentioned in the entirety in the whole surah, uh, very rarely, apart from you know, a few cases. Mostly, yeah. there will be a mention of it here, there, so on and so forth. So, for example, there's a advice from Adil Wahid Khurasani, Hafizullah, um, who says that, why is it that Imam Sadiq salam says that, try and recite 50 verses of Quran every day, at least 50 verses of Quran every day. So, Adil Wahid Khurasani says, Hafizullah, that if you recite 50 verses anywhere from the Quran, you recite 50 verses, you will get a cross-section of what the Holy Quran is about. This is something amazing, right? You, he says, if you recite 50 verses, from the beginning and middle, wherever. You open the Quran, you, re you recite 50 verses. Yeah. If you read 50 verses, you'll get a, a cross-section of all the topics that the Quran has mentioned. So you'll get some history, some Qasas al some Fiqh, some Aqa'id, some, you know, Day of Judgment, some punishment, some Reward. All that's of these a beautiful things, point. All of these things in 50 verses. And yeah. that's, that itself, you know, I, I remember when I, um, when I heard this speech from, from, uh, I don't know. He, I, I, I thought to myself, wow, that's number one. That is, that is something that tells you what Mushta is about. That he knows the Quran inside out. But it also tells you, also proves that the Quran is a miracle. Yeah. From wherever you read fifty verses, you'll get all the topics that are mentioned in the Quran in those fifty verses. That, that itself is a proof that Quran is a miracle. Because if a person writes a book, they won't be able to do that. Yeah. They will not be able to uh, summarize all those topics in, in every 50 verses, or wherever you read. Of course, yeah, exactly. Um, so that, that itself is, 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 is a, beautiful, a beautiful thing that I, that I reflected on from my Tawheed. And I thought, yes, I'm going to try to read at least. So he says, you know, try at least. If you can read more, obviously better. But yeah. at least 50 verses every single day of Quran Karim. And reflect on them and you'll find that you'll get a cross-section of what the Holy Quran is about. It's and beautiful. If, you, if we build a relationship with the Holy Quran, then, then when it comes to things like, for example, when you know, we've got doubts about certain things or we don't understand certain things, we can reflect on what does the Holy Quran say about this particular thing? What does the Holy yeah. Quran say about this particular point? What do Ayyam Salam say about this particular verse? What do Ayyam say about this verse? You know, what is the interpretation of this? It is our lack of relationship with the Holy Quran which leads us to have you know, difficulties in our lives to have. I, I often use the example that obviously I've just moved into a new house. So I've bought lots of new things. Every time you buy something new, there's a there's a manual in the in the box which is an instruction. Yeah. Say we all know how to use these appliances, but we still read through the instruction manual because we want to know that we're using it correctly. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us an instruction manual for life. It's called the Quran. But we keep it on the shelf. We don't read it. Yeah. Right? So how, how will I be able to uh, live my life properly if I'm not reading the instruction manual of life which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed for me? So, so, so that's, that is why I think that it's very important that we build that relationship with the Holy Quran. We know the Holy Quran. We're able to, uh, you know, read out at will verses of Quran. You know, um, that, is, that, that, is the, that's, that is what we should aspire to. You know, like yeah. used to answer people in the Holy Quran. So we, that's what you have to aspire to. That if you're a follower of Hazrat Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if you're a follower of Imam Sallallahu if you're following the follower of the one who walks and talks the Quran, then I also have to be like that. I also Absolutely. Have to be who 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 knows the Quran? You know the way it's supposed to be known. Also, your relationship to Ahlul Bayt changes as well because then you know you re understand the verses and how they understand them and you understand them more, you know, in, in their usage. Um, and this point you mentioned as well, where you develop your own language of the Quran, you know, there's so many times we go through different feelings and emotions and we don't know exactly how to describe it. And then we have like an ayah of Quran or uh, which encapsulates the feeling perfectly and that describes exactly how I'm feeling, something like. You know, like, of course I get what that means. I, all my life I have that feeling and now I have the words to describe that feeling. Uh, and there are loads of examples like this. I don't know. Um, uh, it's like, I always knew God's with me wherever I go, but now he's actually said, I'm, I'm with you wherever you go. And you're right, it adds, it adds to a language of it. And you know what I like the most about what you just said? By the way, shout out to Brother Muhammad Waraj. Good to see my dear brother here. You know what I like the most? Um, this thing of 50 verses, yeah? Imagine I pick a 50 verses in the Quran and you pick your own 50 verses. The harmony of the Quran is we'll come, out, we'll come to the same theme no matter what 50 we choose. Absolutely. So, <laughs> it's like this unity of the ayat. I would love to take credit for that, but I can say the credit to that goes to... Allah Sheikh Wahid Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him a long life, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. One of my favorite things about doing tafsir, and this is linked to our, our discussion today, is that you get to read the opinion of ulama who have come before. I think Ayatollah Jafar Subhani, when discussing the conditions for tafsir, one of them is look at previous opinions of experts before you come across your own conclusion. Absolutely. And the good thing about that is, you know, I could be reading a vision of Alama, Tabatabai, or Tabrasi, completely different eras in history, looking at the same ayat of Quran. And if anything, I'm understanding history and the world through, through them. And there's a narration of the Imam Ali Islam where he says, I, I don't know which Imam, I think it's, um, I read the narration earlier. One of the Imams is, says that, you know, the verse of Quran, the meanings of them change through gen every generation. Every reading changes them. That's for the future. But if we go backwards, the Quran allows us to tap into every era of history going before. Uh, let me ask you as someone who's a researcher, you know, when you're doing tafsir, you must enjoy the process of just reading how the Quran affects the minds of our ulama and opens it up for them personally. Absolutely. And, you know, you've spoken, obviously, of I think if you, if you come even closer to our own time, so, for example, obviously, I like to read the classic tafsir. They have their own flavor um, of tafsir. Tafsir Khummi, Tafsir Layashi, Tafsir Burhan, Tafsir Safi, Tafsir Lut, Naqalain. Um, then you have the contemporary ones, you know, for example, Al Mizan, or Al Bayan, by Sayyid Khu, Ibn Allah. 
But if you come to even the tafsir in different languages, so this is obviously these are obviously the classic ones. So if you look at tafsir in Urdu, so like you said about different eras, so you've got tafsir of Quran by Allama Sayyid Maqbul Ahmad Dehlwi, mm. which is about a hundred and about hundred and fifty years old. Okay, um, it's a very he draws on the classic tafsir and he brings them all together. Um, and he's obviously given his own opinions, his own translation. But the language that he uses is obviously is 150 years ago, so it's very, mm-hmm. very dakhir, if you like. It's very, it's very. There's, there's some words I have, I have to, I have to read a few times. And <laughs> if you have to refer for them, then people like me are lost. Then <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have to read the dictionary and see. Okay, this is, you know, this is what this mm-hmm. word would have been used in this way in that time. And then, for example, you look at the tafsir. You look at the tafsir by Allama Zishan al-Jawadi, of course, who is um, who wrote his tafsir, if you like, probably in the 1970s. So we're saying about 50, less than 50 years ago. That is the most well-known Urdu tafsir, I think, right now, right? Allama Zishan al-Jawadi. I think uh, in Urdu, in Urdu, it must be it must be the most recent one. Yes, yeah. as far as I'm aware. I mean, there, there may be more recent ones. I don't know if anybody knows. Please let us know. But, but the most as, widely, everyone, everyone who's got yes. a Quran with a shar has this one in Urdu. Yes, definitely. So, Urdu. So, so what's, what I really like about Allah Shanda Jawadi, translation is that his Urdu is very simple. Yeah. Right. So he's 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 updated the Urdu to the Urdu that people usually speak and write, so anybody can read it, and he's he's kept the notes really short. Okay, so there is tafsir there, but it's not. He doesn't go like pages and pages and pages of of, of, of tafsir. He's he's kept the he's kept the uh, the tafsir really short. So you know, for every I had just a few words. It's scribbled around the page, right? <laughs> so you you can you can really you can actually feel that this is his own notes. Yeah, that he's compiled throughout his ages whilst he's doing his lectures, mm-hmm. and he's just organized them together and made it into tafsir. Okay. And that, like you said, is, is an is amazing way to get a glimpse into his mind. You know how his mm. mind works. You know, because of course he he was a polymath. He was a philosopher, poet, a scholar, faqih, alim, adib, shair. You know all of these things. You know polymath. Yeah. So so you you can get a glimpse into how his mind works whilst reading his tafsir. You know you actually. I sometimes, you know, because obviously I, 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 I'm old enough to remember listening to his majalis. So I, when I'm reading, I can hear it in his voice. You know, wow. <laughs> it's as though he's, he's speaking to me. Um, and that, that's really, you know, that, that really give, it gives it life because this is somebody that I saw, I met, I've experienced, I heard his lectures. And now mm. I'm reading his books. And when I'm reading it, I can hear it in his voice. You know, this is You, him you know, it's, it's funny the way you describe it. I have read so much, for example, Alama. I feel like I know him. Yes. Because of how much I've read of his tafsir, you know of what I mean. Whenever you, whenever you read somebody a lot, you 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 begin to, you you hear it in their voice. You can hear this is them speaking to you. Yeah, you know, them speaking to you. That that's the wonderful thing about books. You know, I remember one of our asatis used to say that you you can. He says you you know you're a speaker. You can speak as many words as you want. But you will only be able to affect. Of course, now we have YouTube, but you will only be able to affect those people who listen to you, right. who are listening to you. But if you write something, it's going to be there forever. Mm. 
right? When you write something, even if you write one page, it's going to be there forever. As long as that text doesn't evaporate off the page, <laughs> people, people will keep reading it. That's true. People keep on reading it. So even though, for example, like between yourself and Allah Ta'ala Tabai, there's this long, big distance, you know? He died before you were born. Yeah. But um, you've still got a relationship with him. Or we, when we're reading the books of, for example, like the, the greats or the classics, you know, Sheikh Sadur, Sheikh Mufid, Sheikh Tusi, we're reading books of people who died 1,000 years ago. Yeah. But we have this relationship with them. You know, I can say, this is Sheikh Sadur speaking to me. This is Sheikh Mufid speaking to me. This is Sheikh Tusi speaking to me. This is Sheikh Kulaini speaking to me, for example. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing thing of what the written text is able to do. It's something I'm Ali Islam, I think, describes in Ashwabullah when he says that I have studied those who have come before me, or I, I have heard, you know, thought of those who go before me. I think he says, I have walked how they have walked, and I have seen what they have seen. So even from Imam Ali, alayhi salam, um, him reflecting on it, he's like, I have, I have thought about all of them who have come before me when I speak to you. You know, this is, a, this is our tradition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's actually our inheritance to reflect on the past and to, you know, pave the way with the lessons of the past behind us. For sure. Sure. Yeah, Tafsir is a good example because with Tafsir it's like like it's a narration if it's true that as time goes on we'll unravel new things and we'll reinterpret new ayat of Quran and, and, and all of that it's like we are continuing the work that's been done by generations before us you know Absolutely. I, I mean there's there's so many examples of Tafsir that people have have come up with um, in you know in recent times about um, things that people couldn't imagine in the past. I'll give you one example of that. So, for example, you're reading Surah Duha. Um, somebody just asked in the comments earlier about anxiety, depression. I think that Surah Duha is very something that's very powerful. Absolutely. Anxiety, depression. You know, if you look at the Asbab and Nuzul of Surah Duha, and why was it revealed, and uh, at what time was it revealed, you can see how it's related to that these concepts. Yeah. That's one example. Or, for example, if we read Surah, Surah Al-Falaq. Now, you know, I, like I said, I've been, I've been linked up Surah al as you, as you saw. And yeah. Surah Al-Falaq, um, the word Falaq has lots of countless different meanings in Arabic. One new tafsir that I was reading, uh, I haven't mentioned it in the, in the thing, but I, I, I thought here we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it, um, is that one of the, um, one of the, uh, Tafasir that recent scholars come up with is that falak um, means to for for something to um, to break open. Okay. That's why it's called daybreak. You know, even in English we say daybreak because it yeah. breaks. Right? So that's that's one of the meanings of falak. So because falak means to break open, he links this with um, with Water, electricity being created from water because it, the, the fissions come out of the water. Mm. Or even nuclear physics. So he says, he says this nuclear uh, explosion is an example of falak. And, uh, and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about. <laughs> so I was like, wow. I read that and I thought, wow. You know, imagine that you, you tried to explain this to someone from 50 years ago. And then mm. we just look at you and think like, you know what? This guy's crazy. What's he, what's, he, what's he talking about? It's a good but, verse for world peace as well, you know, like, guys, relax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, there's all these things that, like you said, that, you know, you can reflect on the past, but also reflect on how new tafasir have come about 
and, and, and will continue to come about as a result of, of, of what's going on. Yeah, I find that's a nice example because it involves science and there's lots of discussion about to what degree we should right. be using science for tafsir and also how we should reason it. I mean, the, the best view, I think, is not to think that just because something can be proved by science that we're now validifying the verse. You know, I mentioned it in my lecture earlier. And I think it's something of a, I don't know, a, a, a colonial remnant that we are looking for validation of our Quran from other sciences when, in fact, Quran itself is, has its own perfection, you know, like, right. like you mentioned. Um, but the other thing is, is uh, mental health, which was, came up earlier. You know, the, for example, right now, mental health is a discourse we can engage in more yeah. frequently than we could have done before, which means Quran has more of a role to play in these discussions than before. Like Surah Duhar that you mentioned, the Prophet is at one of his lowest positions in his life, like, you know, in terms of his, his uh, happiness. Like he, he's sad. Are there, are, it's about why is he sad? What's made him sad? Is it the fact that there's no revelation? Is it the fact that he's ill? You know, is it what people are saying to him? How long has he been sad for? When researching, some say two to three days, no revelation. Some say 40 days. There's opinions of almost every day in between. <laughs> there's like, some say nine, some say 19, uh, 20, 25, whatever. But I actually, because I have feel sadness, I can understand the Prophet in that stage. In Quran, it does that for you. It lets you, you know, sit with Prophets and awliya and awsiya and just sit with them through their own experiences it is really the journey um what, how do you think this journey ends for you i mean you're going to go through the or every aspect of the uh and then what and then uh, will you find some conclusion about the 30th separa or how do you think it will look like to you at the end of the month well i i think that um if we if it allows us to reflect on those surahs that um, that we recite on a daily basis. I think that itself will, uh, in my view, be something that is, uh, you know, worthwhile. You know, these are the these are the surahs. The third juz are the surahs that we recite the most. Yeah. We recite these surahs in in salah every single day. So if we can reflect on those words that we are reciting every single day in our salah multiple times a day, then I think that is something that is worthwhile in itself. I yeah. yeah, and we're already saying it, you know, all day. It, it's so key if we actually understand what it if is. We, if, we know, if we know what we're actually saying and we, you know, reflect on it, it will give us more lutf, I would say. You know, it's, I always always used to say to people that, you know, when I learned Arabic and I uh, began to read the words of the Imams in their own words, in the mm. original, it gives you more lutf of the actual saying or the actual hadith, when you read the original, the, the actual words that the Imam said, are not interpretation of what I think, for example, the Imam said, or you think the Imam said, or somebody else thinks of the Imam said. So this is actually what the Imam said. And that is, you know, has, you know, kalamukum nur, as we read in Zayat al-Jamiya. You know, your words are illumination in themselves. So, so that, I think, is, is something that's, that's really powerful. So not long ago, I was discussing this point about whether or not the words of Ahlul Bayt are distinguished by their content with other people, not with their transition, but their content. Like if you were to put the words of an Imam in front of someone and the words of someone else, like would you be able to tell the difference in quality or in origin of those words? And I asked a bunch of historians, so naturally they were saying, well, you know, not really. You have words of other people who are beautiful, people who are shi'i we don't even like, but yes. they have these amazing speeches. But then, I, you know, but then I thought to myself, yeah, but that, that's true to some degree in terms of the way of speaking. But when it comes to the inherent, like the batin, I don't think there's anything comparable to the words of Ahlul Bayt to any human being. Of course. Uh, 
And I always found this quite funny because, you know, there was a debate a few years ago in, on TV regarding Nachal Balagha as to whether Nachal Balagha belongs to Imam Amir al-Mu'min al-Islam himself or to Sayyid al mm. or to Sayyid al-Murtada or so on and so forth. And I remember commenting at the time saying that I think it's a matter of great pride that uh, people from schools of other of other schools of thought think that our scholars Sayyid Murtada, Sayyid Radhi are capable of coming up with <laughs> because we believe that this is from Imam Amir al-Mawmin and Sayyid Radhi is saying that this is not me this is Imam Amir al-Mawmin and I've just selected what I felt that are the most uh, powerful sermons in terms of balagat, in terms of rhetoric in terms of like exactly. In terms of you know uh, speaking power from Imam Amir al-Mu'minin and I've compiled them in this book. But some people, you know, maybe for the enmity towards Imam al-Mu'minin maybe because they didn't like the content that's mentioned in the book, tried to pin it on somebody else on say the Mutawassid. I think, and I said that I I feel that's a that's a big credit to somebody felt or somebody thought that they could pin this on Sayyid al-Radi, that he was so eloquent that they thought, well, let, we can pin this on Sayyid al-Radi because we don't want to deny being from Imam al-Mu'minu So I think that itself is, 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 is a matter of great credit. Of course, Sayyid al-Mu'tada, Sayyid al-Radi, well known as Udaba, uh, you know, practitioners, well, you know. practitioners of, you know, Arabic, you know, literature at that time. But yeah. of course, nothing compared to Imam al-Mu'minu and they themselves would, 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 would admit that. So, so you know, um, that, that, that is something that's, that's, that's very, that that, like you said, that, you know, yes, there will be fantastic speeches by people who do not believe in Adam, who do not believe in God, or do not believe in the Prophet, for example. You know? mm-hmm. I'm sure the speeches from, you know, the, the Meccan uh, leaders, or people at Khaybar, or Amr ibn Abdurrahman, or, you know, Marhab, you know, which, which, which if, if you didn't know who this speech came from, you might read it and think, wow, this is amazing. You know, this is, this is great. Because language was the primary form of communication. Yeah. At a time where people don't read and write, language or speaking and, you know, s- s- the power of speaking will, will, will be something which is, uh, which, pe- which, which, would, which would be, you know, special, which would be extraordinary because people don't read read right the, the way to communicate through speaking yeah and also to be fair if someone does not know what pre-islam arabic poetry was like they won't appreciate the innovation of the quran itself because like they, they don't know the climate where it came from and they might not think it's that distinct if, if you know they don't see where it comes from absolutely there's this uh on, on said ravi i remember reading when i was doing the nashabalaga book club last year that which Sayyid was a path, by the way, guys. So please subscribe to the podcast and, and on YouTube you find those earlier discussions. You know, I read this that he actually didn't intend to do just from Ali. He intended for the Aimah, the whole Aimah, that he'll, you know, compile those uh kalam of Balagat from all the Imams. Absolutely. So yeah. he brings them Ali and he's ready, he's done at least one juz of this momentous work he intends. And he shows his friends and his friends are like, hold on a second, stop. Like, we've never seen some of these khutbahs and letters. Like, we've never seen them. You have to expand it. So he says, okay, fine, I'll expand it. And then he expands it and he never actually gets to all of the other aimah. But, you know, his plan was to show the balagat of all of the aimah. 
and that's why Nahj al-Balagh is is uh, the peak, the peak of eloquence. Um, another thing he says, you know, he compiles, he shows his friends, and like I, this is how you understand the mentality of the ulama and how they interact with Ahl Bayt and the Quran. So he's, he's compiled this Nahj al-Balagh. He's he's got it. He goes to his friends and he shows it to them, and, and um, he says to, he says himself that I was surprised. My friends were surprised when I showed them the Nahj al-Balagh that both Imam Ali al-Islam, who is the Zahid, who is the you know, the one who abstains from dunya, the one who is, you know, so completely in love with God, that this man who we might imagine lived on a mountain somewhere with the most beautiful dua, is the same one who's now on Khaybar in the battlefield, fighting, engaging in statecraft. Like, people don't believe that's the same person, you know? And it's true. Like, one whole half of his existence is pure ibadah and drowning in love of God in a way we see. Another half is the most astute statesman and smart maneuver you'll ever see. You know, and it's only for history that I guess you see these things, right? I mean, if you, if, if anyone is interested in this area on this topic, is the best book, in my opinion, um, is by Ustad Shahid Mutahari. Um, Glimpses, yeah. Polarization around the character of Ali ibn Abi It's not very made up of four speeches that he delivered. Um, and uh, if you, if you, if you read this book. If you just read the introduction of this book, you know, where he mentions the four types of people. So he says there's a type of person who neither does they, do they invoke strong feelings of love, nor do they invoke strong feelings of hatred. He says these people mm. are important. They, they don't, <laughs> right? They, they, they're most of the people that they, they have no, you know, they come, they go and, it doesn't matter. Speaking of and, which, Adil, some alikum, I've just seen you join the chat. Uh, you are well. Carry on, Then, Then there's a second kind of people who invoke strong kinds of love, but they don't invoke strong kinds of hate. Mm. And he says something really interesting here. He says this, these people are usually hypocrites because they try and please everybody. Right. So they don't stand on their own principles. They just try and please everyone. Okay, so that's why people don't, there isn't anyone who appears to dislike them. He says, then there's the third kind of people who have intent, people have intense dislike towards this person. He goes, these people lack diplomacy, right? Mm. Fights with everyone. He goes, and then there's the fourth kind of person who invokes strong kinds of love and strong kinds of hate. Wow. And he says, these are the people who change history. And he says, the, the top of, the, of this list is Ali ibn Abi Talib and then, wow. he, then he explains why it is that Imam Ali is the one who has this uh, intense feeling of love and intense feeling of hate towards him. And he says it's because of his sense of justice. So it's because mm. he uh, established justice in his life. So those people who love justice have intense love towards him. And those people who are on the side of injustice, who are zalim, they are the people who have this intense hate towards him because they know that he is going to call them out. He is going to call out all kinds of injustice no matter what happens, no matter who it's against, no matter who carries it out, even if it's going against him. You know, in that famous case where he goes to court uh, regarding his uh, regarding his camel hide or, or regarding his camel and, uh, and the judge rules against him. Mm. Right? And he doesn't, he does, even though the camel belongs to him. So he doesn't challenge the ruling of the judge. Yeah, goes back. And when he's going, the Jewish person says to the judge that this cow belongs to him. 
and I'm going to give it back to him because I'm so impressed with the fact that even though this is a Muslim state and a Muslim judge and a Muslim claimant and I'm a non-Muslim and you ruled in my favor and he didn't argue with the judge and say, why did you rule in favor of the non-Muslim? I'm going to go and give it back to him. Right. This is a this is an important lesson. Like I mean, yeah. Without going into too many too many details, uh, I'm sure if, as soon as I mention it, people who are watching who know the background will know that if you have a system where people have no respect for the rule of law, then that is a system or that is a place where you cannot progress. You cannot. This is not a place where you can. Um, you know, you can feel safe because you yeah. know anybody at any time this judicial system can go against you on basis on the basis of anything. Whereas in reality, you need to have that confidence that the people who are protecting the judiciary, the people who are in the top levels of judiciary, are independent. Yeah, are people who impartial who will give. Uh, judgments only based on the facts. You know, in in, in letter fifty three of Najib Rahai, the epistle to Malik Lashda, Imam Amir al Mu'minin says something really interesting in that letter, as I'm sure you've and I'm sure most of our viewers will have read as well. And he says, make sure that your judges are paid handsomely, and he gives yeah. a reason. He says so that they there's no way, there's no chance that they can get affected by corruption exactly. because. If, if they're paid so handsomely, they'll have no reason to get affected by corruption, right? So this this is really really this is really really important in terms of um, how Islam values justice and how Islam thinks, and Islam wants us to believe or wants us to understand that how important justice is should be in our lives. Yeah, it's a genuinely beautiful point uh, on the judges. You know, he says select them from good houses, make sure they are kind. But even still, like despite all even, of the selection criteria, like, yeah, don't, don't pay them more so that they don't get affected. Because even people from good houses, even people from yeah. good families, even people from nobility can get affected. You know, nobody he, is. Nobody he says is, the same about so, so about the army and actually the commander of the army as well. Like command army, certain good house, pious family, which has not gone against you before, but still pay him well and pay his soldiers well. Absolutely. Yeah. And and then you see that, for example, the the, the principle that Quran Kareem, like say when you put that relation with Quran, where yeah. Quran mentions that you know when we 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 uh, we selected Talut, and then yeah. we we increased him in his knowledge and his strength, and we chose him, right? So give the principle that Allah will choose, and He will give him the qualities and the things that. That person needs, right? So that person who's the commander of the army doesn't need to be rich, yeah. right? But Israel said, "Why did you choose Talut? Talut is poor. We're all rich. Why? Well, how can he be our leader?" Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said, "We chose him, and we gave him everything that he needs to win this battle. He doesn't need money to win the battle. He needs ilm and he needs strength, and we gave him both of them. Now, now it's up to you whether you are going to listen to him." And follow what he says, and you'll also have the strength. And if you don't, and if you drink from that river, mm. when we told you not to, you will lose your strength. And then all of them drink from the river, and they don't have the strength. Yeah. Right? So, so all of these, if we read, you know, if we read the Quranic parables, we we learn that 
Quran gives us insight into history, insight into the past, to tell us that, look, this is what happened in the past. Don't let this happen to you. Right? You also got an imam who's coming. He's waiting for you. When he comes, he's going to make similar demands from you. And beware that you are not like those people of Bani Israel who turn around and say to the imam, just like they said to Talud, that we, oh, but this is a poor person. Why didn't you make someone who's rich? Why didn't you make someone who, who drives a... Uh, you know, a Ferrari or a Tesla, you know, why, why, why is the Imam coming on a horse, you know, what, what's, what's going on, right? But it's, it's exactly the same thing that the uh, people of Bani Israel did. So, so all of these parables are there for us to, to reflect on and think, and think about as a whether really we, we are learning from, from those parables or not. It's an entire blueprint of what not to do in some cases. Like, <laughs> here's an entire qawm of Banu Israel of what not to do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And don't make those mistakes. You know, and, and you're right. You link the past to the future. I had not thought about this point. That it links to the hood of the Imam Islam, But it's so true. The, all, there's a, there's, what's the point of all of these lessons of reflection if not to prepare us as a qawm for our Imam? I mean, that, that's what it's all for. Everything, um, everything in the Quran is there for me to reflect on how my relationship with with my imam be, you know, yeah. all the stories are there to think about, you know, this is how this community dealt with their leader. What about you? What about me? How am I going to be when my imam comes? Am I going to be somebody who, uh, who for example, uh, says yes? Or am I going to be like Banu Israel who say, um, you know, Oh, Musa, you and your Allah go on fire. You know, I remember when I remember when we used to learn this in Madrasa, and I used to think, really, seriously, can that be a verse in the Quran? And then you read the Quran, you think, yeah, you know, we, we're, we're saying here, you and your Allah, you go on fire. We, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to fight. Right? We know, we're not going to do anything. You know, we, yeah. we so, you know, all of these things are really a amazing thing in how, how it is that we are, looking at the past to learn about what's in the future. And that applies to everything, you know, not just, you know, for example, um, you know, if you, if you like my spiritual growth, but even in my, even in my professional growth, yeah. even, in, even in my social life, even in my family, even with my, you know, all of every aspect of my life, am I looking at the past to learn from it to see What's going to happen in the future? Why am I, are we just doing the same thing over and over again? And, and uh, you know, there's that famous quote, I, I can't remember exactly, but, you know, uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different... Yeah. stupidity. Different, Einstein, different, I think, yeah. Insanity or, or, or stupidity, right? Yeah. You, know, you can't do the same thing over and over again and expect... This, if you do the same thing over and over again, you're going to have the same results. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, those who are listening... Listen, this is my favorite podcast, but don't tell the others who've come before. Okay, don't tell them. But this is so far my favorite discussion of this whole series, inshallah. Um, if anyone wants to add any comment of what you, or anything we can say that discussing, please feel free to write it in the comments. If you want to ask a question, inshallah, we are here. Um, it's a great time for you to share as we come towards the end of the discussion. But yeah, um, man, those are some. I, I really want, I'm going to start thinking about this more deeply, the point of Ghaiba, because often we link these things in an abstract way. Like, okay, here's an example of, of Mabi Musa. We have to make sure, okay, how about this? Let me say it again. We either have very hyper, hyper uh, specific lessons. Like, don't do that one thing. Don't, if, you're, if your imam, I don't know, goes away from you, don't doubt him when he comes back. Like, it's a very specific thing. 
or we do very abstract things. Like look at um, uh, Nabi Yusuf, ala Nabina, you know, as a brother, you must be a good brother, something like this. And that's not sufficient. Applying it to Ghaybad is actually understanding a whole hidden reality to the, to the Quran. Um, yeah, no, no one, I don't think it's focused on enough in our community, the role of Imam Zamana salam, and tafsir. Very good point. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think we, can, we can reflect on all of those things. For example, I was in Tafsir Surah Asr. said one of the Tafsir says that while Asr refers to Imam Zamana uh, Asr is the most obvious. Asr is one, one example. I think we are doing it right. Everyone, <laughs> Asr, come on. Everyone knows that this Asr is Imam Zamana Yeah. But we can see lessons for Imam Zamana Sharif or our, our role to our Imam in all of these things. In every story, we can mm. see a lesson of how this, uh, you know, thing applies in my life, how this aspect applies in my life. You know, it's, it's very easy, like whichever Imam we look at, we'll see that. And the only difference is that uh, we are there with the Imam, with, uh, you know, we are there in the time of Ghaibat, and they're there with the Imam. But mm -hmm. even then, for example, if you, if you want to look at, if we look at, we, we, we try, like you said, abstractly, sometimes you look at the concept of Ghaibat as a, something like, oh, th these Imams were all there, and this Imam is in Ghaibat. It's not like that, right? Let's say, for example, that I live in Khurasan, okay? So, when I live in Khurasan, in the time of Imam, let's say, for example, Imam Baqir, Imam Sadir, Imam Qadim, no, those Imams are in Ghaibat for me. Because they live, Imam Baqir lives in Medina, Imam Sadiq lives in Medina, Imam Qadim also lives in Medina, and then he comes to Baghdad. Okay? So whilst I'm in Khurasan, Imam Baqir, Sadiq, Qadim, they are in Ghaibat to me. Right? Mm. Far away. It's, it's not like I, I can't pick up the phone, I can't WhatsApp and say, you know, Salam Imam, you know, this is my question. Right? So, so they, they, they are in Ghaibat. Oh, Imam Qadim, he's in prison. So he's yeah. in prison. Right? Okay. Imam Rida al -Salam, he's in Khurasan. Okay? So now Imam Rida al -Salam is in Khurasan. Whilst Imam Rida al -Salam is in Khurasan, the people in Medina, he's in Ghaibat for the people in Medina. Without a doubt. Right? So it's not as though, you know, this is a whole, a whole concept, a whole silsila from Imam Ali al-Salam all the way up to Imam al al-Qadi of preparing people of how the Imam will be different from you. It's not as though we've got 11 Imams who free access to people, they're answering questions, they're roaming around, people are coming to them. There's, you know, and all of a sudden, one all just vanishes. All of a sudden, one just vanishes. It's not like that. It's, you're right? right, you're right. Right? So if we look at it in that way, then we begin to realize that in reality, the Imam is always there because the Imam is the ultimate reality. You know, he's the Haqiqat Asli, uh, the Asli Haqiqat is Imam, right? Yeah. He's already there. What is in Ghaibat is me because my sins are preventing me from seeing, recognizing the Imam. Oh. Right? So, so that's it. That literally, that's it. If I re recognize that the onus is now on me, the responsibility is on me to recognize myself, my shortcomings, then Imam Al-Islam will be here. Rather than me thinking, oh, he's in Ghaibat, so I need to pray, uh, or I complain to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why doesn't he come out of Ghaibat? No. What am I doing? 
The onus is on me. What am I doing to fix myself so that I can see him? Because mm. he can see me. So he's not in Rebbe. I'm in Rebbe because I can't see him. Okay? So this, if, if we reflect on that particular point and we see that, for example, Imams are in prison, Imams are in house arrest, Imams are in this X, Y, Z. I remember I was listening to many years ago uh, when I was much younger and I remember the Mulana was making the point that let's say the Imam reappears today and if he reappears today and he gets put in prison by some superpower, mm. what are we going to do? We'll, are we going to write letters of protest to the embassy or are we going <laughs> to protest outside, you know, somewhere and then we'll just go home? Ten down, ten downing street and then go, we'll go back, after back, and all go that. back to doing whatever we're doing. You know, what, yeah. what, what are we going to do? Like, in reality, what, what, would, we, what would we do? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and that, it made me think. I thought, you know, what would we do? Really, what can we do? You know, until we're at that point where we can say that, yes, if the Imam comes, we'll stand up and defend him. And do it. that's why one of us says, you know, we'll keep you in Rebel, we'll keep him safe until you're ready. So I think, I think these things are, uh, you know, uh, like I said, we can, we can keep on going for no. We keep on going all night, but I think I think it, the summary of what we what we wanted to discuss or what we wanted to say is that it's really important for us to reflect on the Holy Quran and not just in on month of Ramadan. Try and do it all year round um, whenever we get the time. And I think that uh, we have to look at the past in order to understand what we're currently going through and what. We want to do and what the future holds for us. So, inshallah, if we um, study the past, if we reflect on history, if we see history, we'll be able to see what is it that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala um, did and said and commanded prior, prior communities. How we can learn from them, and um, history repeats itself because nobody listens. <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you, Sayyidina. Inshallah, the viewers listen to the lessons we have <laughs> brought up today. Inshallah, those are listening right now and after. And I want to end on the beautiful words of Zamana Ali Islam. So thank you for mentioning his name and his mission. Hopefully we can learn from that. And thank you in part of the, uh, the podcast. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad that we were able to make time. Thank you for sharing yeah. your most beautiful thoughts, Sayyidina. Thank um, you. To the listeners, thank you as well for listening. Inshallah, have a safe journey, Sayyidina Sikandar. Pray for us, Inshallah. Obviously, you're going away, but everyone else will see you, inshallah, in tomorrow's episode of Monthly Reflections podcast here on Instagram Live. So take care, inshallah. Fiat Mainullah, Sayyidina, Ma'a Salaam. Thank you. Inshallah. Thank you. Inshallah. Thank you. Inshallah. Thank you.